from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Trapped in a grain bin with minutes ticking away. A lot of thanksgiving, a lot of thanksgiving. Just thanking the Lord for keeping his hand on him. The rescue effort to save one farmer's life. Controlling weeds without chemicals. This is uh, where the electri electricity is coming from. How these weed warriors are zapping them away. Balance of power toss-up. We look at the impact congressional changes could have on agriculture as election results continue to trickle in. Right now on Ag Day. Good morning and happy Veterans Day. I'm Clinton Griffiths. Republicans appear to be closing in on a slim majority in the U.S. House. While the Senate is too close to call, with a race in Georgia going to a runoff, Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us now with the ag implications of all this uncertainty ahead. Clinton, with Republicans gaining control of the House, that will shift the leadership of the House Ag Committee to Pennsylvania's G.T. Thompson. But election watchers say with such a narrow majority, it will make compromise a key for writing a new farm bill. Because Thompson can't assume he'll have all the Republican votes he'll need to pass the legislation. He'll then need to look to his ranking member, um, Mr. Scott, and, and cut a deal with him. And so I think what you will likely see is maybe a, a little bit more of a compromise farm bill because there will have to be some more Democratic involvement than there may have been otherwise. But she says Thompson has different priorities than Scott with less emphasis on research and climate smart ag and more on the safety net and overall spending cuts. She also says Senate control is still up for grabs, but it will be a slim margin either way. So whoever leads the Senate Act Committee will have to write a more bipartisan bill. And the focus will be on cutting the rising spending on nutrition programs from the last bill. Overall, over you know, a 20, 25% increase to SNAP costs. And so there's certainly gonna be pretty significant looks at if there's a way to rein any of those in. The Senate Act Committee isn't missing a beat with leaders Debbie Stabenow and John Bozeman announcing a series of hearings on the Farm Bill starting next week. All right, thanks, Michelle. We've learned President Biden is scheduled to meet Monday with China's President Xi Jinping. The two meeting on the sidelines of the Group of 20 Summit in Bali, Indonesia. It will be the first in-person meeting between the leaders since Mr. Biden became president back in January of 2021. The White House, in announcing the plan, said the two leaders would discuss, quote, deepening lines of communication. We're also monitoring right now several major storm systems impacting the nation. We begin in Big Sandy, Montana, where our crew captured this, a blast of winter weather bringing not just snow, but bitter cold temperatures. Photographer Mike Byer saying it was negative two when he took this. It was supposed to warm up to 17. The other big weather story, Hurricane Nicole making landfall early yesterday morning near Vero Beach, Florida. The storm so big it covered nearly the entire peninsula of the state, reaching into Georgia and South Carolina. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire has an update on where it's heading next. And Nicole producing a lot of heavy rainfall as well as coastal flooding. And now as it will begin to weaken into more of a subtropical system, just a low pressure system here, uh, will begin to inundate uh, parts of Georgia as well as parts of the Carolinas with pockets of heavy rain. And this area does need the moisture. Parts of the Carolinas really could use some of this, uh, just not all at once. Certainly seems like it's feast or famine as far as the rainfall is concerned. Uh, luckily, that cold front, though, 
That's going to help push this thing back out to sea here over the next 24 to 36 hours. But again, it's going to produce with it some pockets of a locally heavy uh, rainfall where a rainfall rates could be in excess of three to four inches. Let's take a look at temperatures this afternoon as again, we've got that cold front kind of working its way uh, through uh, parts of the Great Lakes and parts of the central plains here and that the cold air invasion is going to take over much of the lower 48 here as we head on into Friday and into this uh, weekend here. Uh, we're going to be looking at again a very uh, cold and below average temperatures heading our way throughout much of the lower 48. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And checking the yields in the fields. Ryan McLean in Ontario saying that his first corn crop is in the books. He said he's happy with the yield and quality for the growing season despite the weather. He says yields were all over the place with some above and others below average like many of our temperatures will be heading on into this weekend. I'll learn your Ag Day forecast in just a few. And there's a little bit of good news to report about the drought conditions. A new drought monitor shows a decline in abnormal dryness. That's the lowest drought category. That's after four straight weeks of new drought monitor records. Right now, just over 60% of the country is in the D1 to D4 stage of drought. That's down almost 2.5% from just last week. A possible railroad strike is being pushed to at least December 4th. The decision will allow time for engineers and conductors to vote on their agreements. It will also give the industry time to renegotiate with two unions that rejected their deals last month. Previously, union workers were set to go on strike next Saturday, but the union that represents track maintenance workers agreed to delay that. However, all 12 rail unions must approve their deals to avoid a strike. Win the furrow programming on Ag Day is brought to you by InFurro Leader FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or infurrow.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Winning the furrow means making sure your crop starts as strong as it finishes. Agronomist Missy Bauer shows us a good way to check your early season work at harvest. Missy Bauer with BNM Crop Consulting. And today what we're evaluating is uniformity across the planter as well as within the row. So this is a 16 row planter. We've harvested a thousandths of an acre uh, out of each row. So we start down there with row one and on down to row 16. So when we look at the uniformity across the planter, uh, each individual row, uh, we're gonna go ahead and hand or harvest these, uh, shell them today and run moistures on them. But I, I got a feeling the overall yields are gonna be relatively uniform as we look across here. We're certainly missing, you know, one to two ears kind of on each one that are, that are smaller here as we look across here. But there's no rows that really stick out as being a lot different than the other rows. So as far as across the planter, I would say we've done a pretty good job of uniformity. The other thing we wanna look for is within the row itself. So you can see a lot of these maybe got, you know, a couple of, of small ears or a, there's a couple here where we're even missing an ear. Uh, but once we get up there kind of in this mid-range on up, the consistency of these ear size is really good. So it goes back to that emergence. So in this particular plot, the majority of all this emerged within, within that first 24 hours of us doing our checks out there. There was a few that emerged uh, after 48 hours and a couple that were later than that that obviously didn't end up uh, making good years here at the end or any year at all. But on average, I'm pretty impressed with what we see across this consistency 
um, down each row and how many uniform ear sizes. We got a few up at the top that are a little bit larger, more likely in the field those were next to some of these smaller ears so with a little bit of flex in there that's going to make up for some of that. But if you get an opportunity yet this fall to evaluate what your planner looks like, you can really help make a lot of decisions for what you need to do this winter on working on your planner. Financial and commodity markets went in different directions on Thursday. We'll talk about why coming up next. And later, these weed warriors are battling weed resistance with some promising new technology. See it in action ahead on Active. While inflation is still a big issue, things may be improving slightly. The new Consumer Price Index report shows Americans paid 7.7% more for items during the 12-month period that ended in October. That's a slight drop from 8.2% in September. Some economic officials say this shows inflation is moving in the right direction. Michelle is back with a look at the impact the new numbers are having on overall markets. Well, lower day in the commodities sector, except for cattle. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing is joining us with analysis. And Dwayne, really, uh, CPI coming in better than expected kind of caused some money flow issues out of the commodities sector, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. That number was better than anticipated, like you mentioned. I think it had some money wanting to leave the commodities as that long-term investment and go back into the stock market. Stock market having a very good day yesterday. And yeah, it really hurt the grain markets, at least to start with here. Yeah, and that was kind of interesting to watch when you saw the dollar implode, but poor exports certainly didn't help that market. Any of the grains did it. Yeah, the dollar down like 2,000 some points was just uh, kind of amazing. I don't know if I've seen a hard down day like that in a long time. Normally that helps the grain markets, but in this case, it was more of a money flow leaving the commodities and going to that stock market. You know, and then I think we ran some some support levels in corn and soybeans as well. That triggered some sell stops that increased the selling. So did we do technical damage to either corn or beans? I think we did to the corn market because we've been in such a sideways pattern for so long. We broke the lower end of that range. So that maybe hurt a little bit, but you know, technically it's not that bad yet. We held some key moving averages and some key support levels, especially in the soybean market yet. So do you anticipate the more money flow into the equities and out of the commodities? So will we get follow through technical selling? Really, I, I don't think so. I think that was going to be more of a one day deal, kind of a flush. And maybe we even overdid it a little bit, Michelle. We, we could have a bounce back this morning. All right. Appreciate your time as always. That's Dwayne Bussey joining us with Bolt Marketing. And we'll have more Ag Day and Ag Weather coming up. For marketing advice, call Bolt Marketing, a futures and options brokerage firm. Ag Day is brought to you by Farm Shop MFG. Did you know that 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us again here with our national forecast. And we've been talking about this cold weather, and it sounds like it's getting pretty nasty up there in the northern plains. Yeah, they've been dealing with the blizzard throughout this uh, midweek portion. And as we go into the latter half now of this week and going forward into this weekend, this kind of colder air mass is going to just go ahead and kind of invade much of the lower 48. 
and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. As we take a look across the country again, we are watching that uh, cold air that's going to continue to dip its way further off towards the south and east. Those Billings, Bismarck, a rapid city coming in sub zero for that feel like temperature here on this Veterans uh, Day morning here on this Friday. And then as we head towards uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, we're going to be looking at that uh, cold uh, Wind chill values expanding their way further east. It's going to feel uh, below freezing in Chicago as well as St. Louis, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And again, we're going to be watching those single digits to sub zero wind chill values across parts of the uh, northern plains and parts of the northern portion there of the Rocky Mountains. And this is also going to produce some lake effect snow throughout parts of the Great Lakes area. Not a significant event by any stretch of the imagination for some of these locations across the Great Lakes uh, belts. Uh, but nonetheless, this is going to kind of be the first kind of widespread lake effect snow event that's going to kick off uh, this uh, 2022 and 2023 uh, winter season. And it's all thanks to this cold front that continues to march its way eastward. We've also got a dip in the jet stream. We're going to tap into uh, at least uh, some of the energy there from the uh, polar vortex up and north and tap into uh, at least some of the polar jet as well, and that's going to help usher in a lot of cold weather here as we go throughout the mid month here of November, and this trend will likely continue as well as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday week. I notice that much below uh, normal temperatures here in this dark blue shaded area. Really the only relief is all the way down to Miami, Florida. Meanwhile, the rest of the country is, again is going to be dealing with below average temperatures. We've got Nicole down here again. It's going to lose its uh, tropical uh, system here and just become a uh, subtropical low pressure system. Cold front will help push that thing out to, to sea and we'll begin to watch our next system arriving across parts of the Tennessee and uh, parts of the Ohio River Valley coming with a little bit of rain and snow mixture to even parts of at least uh, western Tennessee. Here's a look at temperatures uh, for today this afternoon. Again, that cold air, we're going to continue to watch that marching eastward as we go throughout this Friday. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Going into Snow Hill, North Carolina, heavy rain, heavy winds as well. High 78 degrees, Crystal, North Dakota, cold, blowing snow, blizzard conditions likely at times. High 15 degrees and going over into Missouri, sunny and breezy, high 33. Still to come, an amazing grain bin rescue in Mississippi. But first, a shocking way scientists are battling back against weed resistance. Next. Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergent herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com fierce. Always read and follow label instructions. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a growing problem, but will farmers one day be able to control weeds without herbicides? As Farm Journal's Stein Morgan shows us, in today's Weed Warriors, the idea is being explored. Behind us is uh, what is known as the weed zapper. Watch this equipment work. It's a weed electrocution implement that we've been evaluated for the past several years um, to see if we can help with the problem of herbicide resistant weeds that we're having in U.S. agriculture. And you could be getting a glimpse into the future. We've shown that it is, it is possible and something that might uh, be a part of our arsenal in the future. A tool to combat herbicide resistant weeds. This is uh, where the electric electricity is coming from. The concept of the weed zapper isn't new. It, it works very similar to that. Instead of uh, wiping on 
a herbicide solution with a sponge or whatever, it's electrocuting whatever this bar touches. The electrocution of weeds actually dates back to the 1970s. There's much more electrocution now than what there was in the 70s. And from our research, we're showing that it's certainly much more effective than what we saw back in the 70s. It's a common tool used in organic production. And today, a company out of Sedalia, Missouri, has a weed zapper that the University of Missouri is testing across conventional soybean fields. We have shown that we can get 90% or greater water hemp control in you know, July or August when they're sticking above the soybean canopy. He says it works similar to a rope wick and is an effective tool if the crop stage is right. You have to have a height differential between the crop and the weed in question. And lucky for us, our most problematic weed in the state of Missouri is water hemp. And we often have a height differential between water hemp and soybean. It works on weed escapes in soybeans, but Bradley says he could also see it as an option for controlling weeds in pastures. These discs are, uh, have to maintain uh, contact with the ground. Of course, all of this is adjustable, but these have to maintain contact with the ground in order to complete your, your uh, ground for the circuit to be complete. Answering weed escape problems of today as the issue could grow even more severe in the years to come. The weed zapper just may be a tool to combat weeds that herbicides can no longer control. Reporting for Ag Day, I'm Tyne Morgan. All right, thanks Tyne. Grain bin entrapments don't always end well. Love next, how a community rallied to save one Mississippi man from a mountain of soybeans in the country. Farmer in Mississippi is alive this morning thanks to a massive community effort to free him after getting trapped in a grain bin. Tia McKenzie of Ag Day Affiliate WDAM shows us. These soybeans may look tiny, but imagine being buried beneath 10 to 12 feet of them. The quicksand effect oh. of the, the just pulled him under. Deborah Thornhill is counting her blessings. Her brother Wayne Brakefield is still alive tonight. I could see the beans pouring out that side of the bin. And then I could hear them hitting the side of the bin. And I told her, I said, Kathy, he's in the bin. Well, I began to run and I got down here and Richard was just doing everything he could. And we weren't getting anywhere. It didn't take long until the Brakefields knew they needed help. All I could think of was we'd got to get him out as quick as possible. Summerall Volunteer Fire Chief Virginia Hayes was among the cavalry to answer the call with dozens of others. But when I got on scene, they were saying that they could hear him moaning and groaning and um, underneath all that. So we knew he was still alive. So that's we were working as hard as we possibly could to dig him out and then cut him out. <laughs> Crews had to use this circular saw to cut through the thick metal. This was a lifesaver right here. This is what done most of the work. With each passing minute, family members worried about the oxygen left in the silo as Wayne remained wedged near the auger below the beans. It was a whole lot harder to stay calm, you know, once I knew he had been quiet for a while. As long as I knew they could hear him, I could hold it together. After an hour and three cuts. This was, this was a lifesaver right here. Wayne Brakefield was finally free. A lot of Thanksgiving, a lot of Thanksgiving. Just thanking the Lord for keeping his hand on him 
thankful for the support that we received and his watch and protection over not just Daddy, but those people as well. It's a rescue Chief Hayes and her volunteers will never forget. There's still a long road ahead for Wayne and his family. He'll likely lose a few toes and is still in the hospital, but loved ones are just thankful he's still here. In Summerall, Tia McKenzie, WDAM 7, on your side. Our thanks to Tia McKenzie and WDAM for that report. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Agdam, Clinton Griffiths, have a great day. Now through November 22nd, Ag Saver Glyphosate, 53.8%, starting at $29.44 per gallon when you pay with cash. Visit fbn.com direct. Prices subject to change. Terms and conditions apply.